Welcome to the Next Door Neighbors podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things neighborly. Here are your hosts, Alex and Irina Mazukin. Welcome, welcome. Episode number... No, no. One... Don't know. Don't count because I'm I'm just enjoying the process. I'm not here... Doesn't even matter the number... The numbers. All the I'm concerned number. about right now is the masters. That's all I'm concerned about right now. <laughs> I could tell you've had it on the computer... All day, even for, when you were gone. Oh, even still when on. I was at Top Golf today, I just kept staring at my screen. On your phone? Yeah. Well, you also had it on on your computer while you were gone yeah. out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the funny boys for, came in and were like, "Why is Dad's computer on with golf on it?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Ask him." You tell them to shut their mouth. I was like, "Do you even know what's happening right, right. now you know in our important? country?" You know, it's funny. I uh, for a guy who doesn't follow sports. Because it's, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to keep up with stats and numbers and names. Right. Uh, I think my. Mm, somehow ooh. you have the bandwidth to keep up with stats and names with golf. I am. Yeah. That's what's funny. <laughs> I kind of think it's my level of like obsession. Yeah. It. Because you enjoy it and you like it. And so that's, yeah. you make the bandwidth for it. And you know what's what I've learned? And again, I'm such a beginner to the sport, I think. when I mean, when it comes to like taking it seriously is after actually following all the players and how they're doing right now and me regularly golfing weekly mm -hmm. and hitting hundreds of balls on the simulator during the week i there's so much frustration that i go through where it's like i'm still puzz like puzzling piecing piecing all the puzzles no is it mm -hmm. is it is it, am i piecing all the puzzles together that's yes. the right way to say it um of like your backswing and then I focus so much on my backswing and then like my release and then now I'm not focusing on something else. But now after like drilling everything, I all of it's coming together now. Mm -hmm. So by not focusing on one point, all of it is more fluid. And when you're fluid, you, you create you do good shots. Yeah. Versus trying to hit the ball uh, as opposed to like don't hit the ball, hit through the ball. Anywho, where am I going with this is watching these professional golfers, professional elite athletes and seeing some of the big names, uh, you know, an example, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, you know, uh, uh, Ram, you got uh, uh, Brooks Koepka, Scotty Scheffler, Bro uh, Brooks Koepka. And it actually really helped watching the documentary on Netflix, Full Swing. That's the only reason I know the name. Yeah, I know. But but you, you got into it. That's a very well it's done a documentary. great documentary, especially if you don't know very much about golf. And that was great they for me made... because I didn't know these players. And right. so when you follow each episode, a different player and the ins and outs of what they're going through, it's... Um, and then you watch them perform at this, you know, highly renowned um, tournament, the Masters, 80, their 87th year. And you see the scoreboard and you see you're recognizing shots. the names well yeah you recognize the names. but i guess where i'm going with this is like you see the scoreboard and you see uh their score at every hole mm -hmm. right and you realize how you can have your good days and bad days and it totally like translates into uh every single time i go come out so like if i go out and i have a great day at golf Right. And which my great day is a completely different definition of somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And my great day is like, if nobody cried, it's a good day. <laughs> like you. Right. <laughs> but by nobody. By nobody's me, of course. You. I'm only speaking for myself. <laughs> um, but and then you have your many, many bad days and you think like you're terrible. But then you look at the scoreboard like like, for example, Rory McElroy won multiple championships, has a green jacket and you see him 
ranked 61 right now. Tiger right. Woods is uh, both guys, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are on the face of like every golf thing and not doing so Tiger great. Woods is only 10, 10 uh, places above Rory, right? So he's 51 and Rory's like 61. And you see their scores and they're like, to me, it's an incredible score, but in the game of like the competition, they're terrible scores. So right. it kind of puts it all into like perspective of like, even the best of the best shoot shitty shots. Yeah. Or play shitty. Because it's not, a, and it's also not a team sport. So it's everything is just on how you play with like football and soccer and baseball and other sports. I think so much of it is a team sport. So it's not just heavily, I obviously there's like MVPs and shining stars in the teams. But when it doesn't rely solely on you, it almost takes the pressure off a little bit, right? When oh, it's force, just yeah. you. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Plus you have people watching. Plus it's the biggest tournament like, you know, of the year. That's a that's huge. If you don't if you can't control like your stress and your anxiety levels, yeah, it's going to get the best of you. And I can only the, imagine. And it's one of the very few sports if you think about it that you have to be the most relaxed. Like I know, and how can you be the most relaxed when there's people watching you? When you got football where you have to be explosive and strong. Basketball, explosive and precise. Yeah. You don't have to uh, think about like, okay, just relax. Tennis, body. explosive and concentrated. Here you're like, I can't be tense. I have to allow the swing to take place. And as soon as I try to like, here's an interesting one. Let's say you take a bad shot and it doesn't go too far. And then maybe even slices to the side. Mm -hmm. And you realize that you still have a ways to go. Meaning you hit the club poorly. It gets in your head that this next shot, I have to hit it hard. And you should never try to hit it hard. You should allow the the movement, the natural movement to do it. And when you're so fluid, the ball goes even further. But it already got in your head. But it's already in your head like, that you're like, oh my gosh, two, I still have 250 yards to go on my second shot. That's a lot. I need to freaking whack this three wood or whatever, yeah. your th five wood, whatever you're going with. And that's when it gets even worse. <laughs> and so you have to be in this most relaxed. That's why I think I've, 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 I've always been fascinated about like why is it a bougie thing that they have caddies, like they have somebody else. I know what caddies do. Caddies are there for not only to carry your clubs, and that's why I'm so confused why you have them. It's like, why do you need somebody else to carry your bag? Mm -hmm. But they're also there to instruct you, to help you read the course, to have a second opinion. Mm -hmm. So you, you're, there's, there's plenty of value like in there. helpful. But uh, I, I realized like you have that solely so you focus on nothing but the shot. You don't focus on where your ball is and how to find it. You don't focus on how many yards are out and what club is right for. You right. don't focus on what the terrain's doing and what do we do. You it's just like one less thing to worry about. Stay in one. You gotta be in that because now you have people watching, and so it's you gotta wild be in this like crazy mindset, and you can't leave. And exactly it. That's why yeah. some people do well one tournament and not well another one, and it's just that's why when people do well consistently for a long period of time, that's why they're the best of the best. They right. can handle that stress. They can keep calm and have a great shot under all this crazy pressure. You know, it's funny. I golf when I first started in it. Also, I feel like I'm acting like I know so much. About no, golf. I mean, I know nothing. No, you, you but you, I know like the pressure it must feel. That's you, all I know. People don't actually know. This is a secret fact about you that nobody knows Ooh. is that you have a very extensive knowledge of football. I do. And when well, we I used met, to. Well, we don't follow it as much anymore. But when we met, 
the amount of football knowledge that you had specifically in college yeah and then that translated to like uh nfl because we would watch it a little bit more it was embarrassing i mean not embarrassing for me i don't care about stuff like that but it was like very impressive for a, most a girl. girls just don't know i think i just got really into it because i went to boise state and mm -hmm. then they were really good the years that i went there and so i just always watched every game with like my friends or my cousins and i just like learned the game and i learned to love the game and then you learn stats and you learn the players names and then it just is like fun to follow yeah yeah it's fun. but don't know very much about golf but the documentary now i know like a couple of names so now yesterday when you were watching on the tv i saw like a familiar name rory mm -hmm. mcelroy and i was like oh i yeah. remember seeing him I remember like you know because they do like a little backstory on yeah. them too and so it makes kind of doesn't make it seem like such a broad vague sport now you're like oh you okay. have a connection to a character you do it's like an emotional connection now. no like, you do it's almost like i know that person you know it's you know? funny about the emotional connection so uh, brooks kepka right now is uh leading in the masters in this going into the second round and when we watched the documentary he was like contemplating like if he's even good enough for this yeah league. i remember seeing that so and look at him now when the the episode ended like when Scotty uh, uh, Schiffler, when he when they're focusing on him in documentary, you know, he had a very positive outcome at the end of that episode where it's like, spoiler alert, but you, you guys should watch it if you're not familiar with what we're talking about. Um, you're like, here's a guy who's struggling and then boom, he wins the, the, the tournament. Mm -hmm. Makes Not a, all of them had that story buku though. Money. But then, but yeah, yeah. Brooks Kepka, who... Which is interesting the way they shot the documentary is he they shot him in a way as this kind of like handsome fit guy, right? He's jacked. Are you hot, warm now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's this jacked dude, young guy, handsome fella, has this like beautiful, you know, waterfront property, has a young girlfriend, no kids, just dogs. And you're like, this is kind of like the Playboy kind of version of it. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't have a positive outcome. Like he loses and they're like, he's like, I don't know if I'm good enough for this, this level of competition. And then, so you already made this connection and then seeing him now translate to one of the top competitions in the sport and seeing him blow everybody out of the water. It's so fun because yeah, you have that character like, connection. Oh, yeah. You have that emotional connection. So and he doesn't like, have a green green jacket, so which you it's a which you get plus a buku amount of money uh, at the end of the tournament. But the green jacket is a very prestigious kind of thing. Right. Um, and so it's it's really fun to follow it along those lines. Um, but dealing with that stress and competition is interesting because in the game of sport, when in the game of golf, in the game not sport, of sport. <laughs> In the I'm, sport of I'm, life. I'm, I'm, I sound like the classic, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but like NFL Madden, the video game, uh, John Madden in the older versions would like commentate. And oh. John Madden is kind of historically known for being this like dutz of like a ditzy kind of guy who's like, he'll say very Bobby Boucher kind of thing yeah. where he'll be like, you know, somebody like, let's say, you know, gets sacked. And John Madden will come and be like, football is 70% physical and 30% mental. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, okay. Or he'll like have the fraction completely off. He'll be yeah. like, you know, or he'll be like, <laughs> the, the name of the game is, is, is catch the ball and, and run as fast as you can and get to the end zone. <laughs> the name of the game. That, that was a scene from uh, Bobby Boucher, uh, Waterboy, Water where he, Bobby's talking to all, all these kids for like the youth outreach. And like, Bobby, 
give us give us your secret." And he goes, "Well, well, well when when the coach says hike, I I I, I get the ball and, and and I make sure I run as hard as I can to to to, to the end zone." <laughs> and the coach says, "All right." Let this be a great lesson to you kids. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do so, drugs. Like, so John Madden was kind of known for all these like dumb sayings. It's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, no, you just said That's the obvious. Kinda, yeah. So that was your saying. See, the, the secret with the quarterback is he has to hike the ball. He has to throw the ball before he gets sacked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. Yeah, so secret recipe of the sport. Dumb, dumb commentary. So but the, focus the game is of where, the sport. So the focus that I was kind of going with is it's, it's so interesting because when I first started uh, taking golf more seriously. Uh, it was such a fun outing with the boys where you're, you know, you got golf carts, you got your clubs, you're dressed to the nines. And then, you know, you're amongst people that you enjoy their company. So you're bantering back and forth and then you got drinks with you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like basically a drinking game or a drinking sport, you know, like, which <laughs> you don't have like with basketball or football. You're not going to go like have beers and go play football. Right. Because it's so high well, energy. It like, requires a lot out of you. Yeah. And then I started realizing that I need to really focus. So I li for the this is probably like week three now that I've like made like decision. I was like, you know what? I'm not drinking anymore when I golf. I'll if drink after. If you want to get better. If I want to get better because I need to focus. And there is this whole thing is like, yeah, have one or two to like take the edge off. But what ends up happening is, and I saw this today, I was at Top Golf and I played the best because you play virtual courses on it against a friend of mine. And I played my best round on it. And like I committed to, I was like, okay, I'm not drinking. I'm just gonna have Diet Coke. And I was, Man, my driver was doing great. I think at one point I hit a 302-yard drive straight down the middle. Wow. The best drive I've ever made. I, my, 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 like, it blows any drive I've ever done out of the water. And But it was all consistent. I didn't slice any of them. Like, all my irons were great. Everything was perfect. And then we're playing 18-hole. And so on the, the ninth hole, or I'm sorry, on the 10th hole, I was like, yeah, let's get some food. I'll have a drink on the, the back nine. And so I ordered a beer. And it was like the 12th hole and I had maybe three quarters of the beer and finished my burger and fries. And because I was like full, not like sluggish, but full and like the slightest little buzz because I was, you know, haven't had any food all the all morning. And all of a sudden I got way too comfortable and I started hitting terribly. It's almost like it relaxes you a little bit too, a little too much. It almost you still sedates have to you. Be, yeah, yeah, you still have to be alert enough where you're focused yeah. it almost you lose that focus a little bit it seems like mm -hmm. and i got buddies who play they they'll tell you they're like oh i play even better after a few drinks because i'm relaxed i'm not depends. i'm not overthinking i was like yeah but maybe it's because you've played so long they have this muscle memory yeah you maybe if you get to a certain point right. where you do it is easy for you, you you're think, still you think one been, day i could drink again yeah maybe we'll see pray for me yeah well, what is this? Have you been doing it consistently for a year now or not? Um, so I started uh, March of last year as my first outing okay, in so a long a year. time. And then after March, I that spring, I've been regularly go golfing. And so, yeah, so I've been a solid year of obsessive behavior behind it. Obsessive, obsessive golfing, I would call it. Yeah. To what? the degree that you can't park your car in the garage, nope. to the degree that I lose sleep over how do we, how do I fix a certain problem in in my <laughs> do my, you? Yeah, oh there, my there's gosh. been days. So what ends up happening is like I'll go in the simulator and I'll go. Okay, 
Uh, all right, so my pitching wedges, my wedges are good. My irons are good. All right, let's start figuring out my 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 woods, my three wood and my five wood, and then which they're like more longer distance shots, you know, they mm-hmm. have a little bit more loft on them than the irons, and I'm like, okay, that's terrible, that's terrible, and then you get to a point like, oh, boom, consistent, consistent. Oh, I figured it out, and then the next day I come into the thing and I grab those three and five wood, and I'm back to dog crap again, and you get frustrated. Yeah, because you're like, I thought I was doing well. Or or vice versa. You'll go, now your irons are crap. And you go, but it's the same swing pattern. What am I changing? And so I'll end up going to bed that night, like my brain like running around, be like, what am I doing wrong? Is it my 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 backswing? Is it my follow through? Is it my release? What is it my am I, you know, is it my my hip rotations? Like what's going on? And so that'll make me like Keep me up before falling asleep, you know? So you want to figure it out. Yeah. Dial it in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm obsessing about it. So going back, I don't know if I ever asked you this, but a year ago you said you like started obsessing over it. What was it that sparked that? Obsession. Obsession for you. I know that you've golfed before. Like you, you would go here and there with friends. It was never like something you were passionate about. All of a sudden, it was like, I really want to get into this. What was it that sparked that in you? That's a really good question because I never actually, I can't recall the moment. And I don't know if there was like a moment. I think it was very gradual. You know what it was? I think I do know what it is. Uh, that last March that I went out, it was uh, one of my closest buddies, uh, Mark, invited me uh, to be the fourth oh, right. with his dad that was golfing and his best fr- like friend, a uh, guy named Jim. His dad's best friend. Yeah, dad's best friend, Jim, that they've known each other for when Mark was born. And um, Jim is extremely, extremely good. And I've never golfed with somebody at that point that was really, really good. I do now. Like now I'll golf a bunch of guys that like are freaking phenomenal. But it was wild for me to see flawless movement and flawless like technique and have and who's way older and i think when i saw that and also you know hanging out with mark so much Mm -hmm. that we both were like i want to start taking this a little bit more seriously like we both kind of had that conversation they're like what do you think if like like i kind of want to take some lessons or something like you know i mean like at that point because you're kind of with your friend you're both like hyping each other up to well not even hyping you're both kind of like having this realization is like hey we want to get we want to be good or we want to get okay that like again. inspired you yeah and you're doing and so next time you're talking to that person you're like hey i went out on the range and i think i got i figured something out and they go interesting and, and so every single time we just kept doing that and now i don't feel like i need anybody to like feel that because after we went to florida uh, on vacation it was the first time that i went golfing by myself and they like partnered me up with somebody else that was a very very first time and uh, so now I'm, I'm, you know, straight down the barrel. More, yeah, like confident. I'm straight down the barrel that that I'm like I am, I am doesn't matter. So like today, if I if my my Mark couldn't make it, but my other golfing buddy Tyler, if if he couldn't make it, I was just gonna go to the course and go, get partnered up with somebody. Mm-hmm. You feel like comfortable enough now to do that? Comfortable enough, you know, because you never want to feel like I think the intimidation that I had was like I was. I felt there's this pressure that if I get partnered up with somebody who's good, I'm going to be the like the 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 kid with the dunce cat in the back, you know, 
Holding Wait, everybody back. Holding everybody yeah. back, yeah. But that level of focus. I don't like that feeling either. I don't know if that level of focus applies to my job even. You know what I mean? Like I, I obsess about my work in the degree of numbers mm-hmm. and how to improve those numbers. And that those numbers are not necessarily how many subscribers or how many views a video got. The numbers are obsessive about how do I retain people's attention and what projects and hooks do I need to make people stop their scroll and want to watch that. Mm -hmm. So I obsess about two things right now. It's golf and my work, but that work is strictly analytical. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not, how do I get better at build better? You know, I mean, I, I do with every project I do build better because um, you learn from your mistakes. I learned from my mistakes. I, I saw what I did and like one of the things right now that I'm constantly circling back on is how do I get a better, stronger finish on painting cabinet doors, right? Mm. Like there's a difference between when you buy a house and professional cabinet makers build these cabinets with doors and the paint on it, like if you could dig your nail in, it's almost like this uh, hardened lacquer mm-hmm. versus when I paint, it's it's, you know, because I use good quality uh, enamel paint, they were they would you they could feel a little softer when you drag your nail into it, and you oh. could tell after a while like the, it wears out. I wonder like, if you have to just get like special cabinet grade paint. Well, that's not from like Sherwin Williams. Well, and like, that's where it kind of comes down to. So Sherwin Williams, that all professional cab you know painters go to, they use their products specifically for cabinets. They have those products, and I use them. The difference is that when I use them, well, there's two two things to this. The the number one is the product is a, a durable product, and when you run your nail into it, it uh, is tough. But those guys won't uh, dilute their paint. They'll because they'll use like an HVLP sprayer where you have to dilute the paint. Oh, sorry, that's how I use it. Those guys don't. They run it straight to the gun, right? Have you tried that, not diluting it? No, but I think going forward I will try that. See but then the it. second thing is I've reached out to one of my buddies who is a, 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 a the, he creates high-end cabinets in Texas, Jay uh, from Jay Woodworking. He, um, no, I think it's Blue Jay Workshop, something like that. He, I remember reaching out to him and I asked him about what products he used and he says they, they use this special order stuff that is almost like, a homogenized alive enzyme of a product which is strange hmm. so you can't just walk into a hardware store you have to like it's like plaster for your fireplace it's like you have to like special order this project uh, uh, a product and then you know and then apply it and it's essentially like a, a lacquer kind of style of a paint so with that do they just color match then based on what you want i think so color because yeah. i do remember we had friends once who got their cabinets professionally painted and i remember her saying they had to, and this was a while ago but i remember her saying they had to choose in like this like list of colors because correct. that's all they had correct this professional correct cabinet paint i'm sure now it's come a longer way well, where you, you they, can color match at least something close i don't think you color match i i what i think is it's kind of like you ordering a custom couch from oh it's already there you West just Elm. pick the color they go here's our colors yeah which would make more sense because right. that's right. You're not tampering with it. it. Yeah, you're not tampering with it, uh, and that's something I wanna I wanna try to figure out and experiment with. 
Um, but so that's, you're gonna repaint our cabinets? No, I'm not. For sure, I'm not. <laughs> we don't sure. have any cabinets left. What are you gonna experiment on? The next house. <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> well, you get excited for a second. You thought no, we're gonna. I will say, in this house, the cabinets are way more durable, like the paint, than the last than house. The last house. Yes. the last house. I don't know. You've used like a different paint, but around the knobs is where the paint would start coming mm -hmm. off and it would happen like all the time like even when we touch it up yeah. it would happen again this doesn't do it no it doesn't um because when i the paint at our last house and i was very new to uh cabinet making and cabinet finishing finishes i mm. i went to Sherwin Williams and I asked for a cabinet grade paint. They gave me a cabinet grade paint, but I don't know what they classify as a cabinet grade right. paint because it felt like a classic latex paint. And was, latex yeah. breaks down with water, right? Or like oil, like the oil, oil from your no, fingers. But what I mean by breaks down is if you want to thin out latex paint, you just add water mm -hmm. to it. Uh, but the so latex is basically water-based right I, I mean I'm, I'm there's a more of a, a, a molecular breakdown so but in layman's terms most latex paints are basically water-based paints right mm -hmm. but then you have just like paintbrush or, or water paints watercolors you have water-based stuff that you can just thin out your thing wash out your brush and then there's oil-based paints right which like they're a pain in the butt to clean the brushes you have to have like paint stripper paint thinner whatever it is right mm -hmm. um and the same applies to painting these cabinets is there um there's like what i use going forward now is what's called an emerald alkyd or an alkyd kind of paint and the way it was taught to me uh, or explained to me was it's essentially a, a oil-based molecule, right? An oil paint. And if you think of like a fist and that molecule is surrounded with water. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that breaks down, but so what ends up happening is you can thin it out to shoot it through your HVLP sprayer, which is high volume, low pressure and thin it out. And it will spray like a water-based paint. But then what ends up happening is through chemical reaction, the water evaporates once it's drying, mm. right? The water evaporates mm -hmm. right, and it's left with that oil paint. Which like sticks better. Sticks better. It doesn't break down with wet hands around the trash bin, you know, door. So that's why it's not, it's way more durable here is because it's an oil molecule surrounded with water making it easier for you to dilute, but then it ev the water evaporates when it's drying and then you're left with the oil. Mm -hmm. So that's the paint to use. That's the paint to use. So that's what I've been using as most recent. I'm very happy with it. Um, you just want to level up? I do want to level up because what I end up doing is when we go to our friends' houses who have houses that are newly built, I always like walk around and observe the finishes and they're always flawless. And you always got, you know, you always wonder, you always wonder, like, how do I achieve this? Because mm -hmm. everything, you know, if you build something, there's always imperfections that you're always looking at. And that is something that you're always wanting to level up and improve. Oh, yeah. You always notice like your flaws 
in your own work right right do you have things that you see flaws in your work that you're constantly working on no because i'm perfect interesting interesting <laughs> no but like i do i mean with me it's more like when i used to stage i constantly saw like things that i wasn't enough or like i could have done better but at a certain point like for me it got to a point where i was like staying somewhere staging till like 9 p.m because i was trying to like make it perfection when Mm -hmm. sometimes you actually do need to let it just be (laughs) like this is the best it's going to be leave it you know for other people they're going to walk in and be like wow this looks great but to me i would notice all these little things like dang it i should have got an extra plant for like this corner and now it's somebody's going to walk in and be like why didn't she put a plant there Mm -hmm. mistake 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 and so it's just like stupid things that really nobody cares about but i would notice it or i Mm. would care it's interesting that that applies to you as well because you're you're technically making something you're you're creating a space but you're you're dealing with the same insecurities as somebody who builds oh yes i think so many people deal with that in their own way and then like even at home i'll like decorate something and it will still feel off like at home it's a little bit different because i have time and it's my own space Mm mm-hmm I have, if I want to change it, I can change it or I can come back to it, right? Nobody's like going to critique it. When it was, when it's your work and you're putting it, like for you, you're putting on, you know, video. Mm -hmm. So of course you want it to look good. For me, for staging, it was people are going to walk into this space and are they going to feel like it's done well or are they going to feel like something's missing or something's off or I shouldn't have hung that picture there, you know, things like that, where you're constantly thinking because somebody's judging you. Of course you're, well, I think what it is is you created something and you allowed yourself to be vulnerable in front of somebody else's criticism. Mm -hmm. I do remember when you were staging late, you would come home and I would ask you how did it go? And you're like, I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm not happy with it or something like that. And then you would come the next day back to the house and you're like, actually see and i was just gonna say that it's do you ever feel that because i remember so many times that would happen because you get in your own head and it's like you don't really you start thinking about it overthinking it you know you're overthinking everything so nothing now at at this point looks good to you Mm. it's almost like when people you know they say when you're writing like a um, uh, paper Mm sometimes you need to step away from that and come back to it because you're just in your head. You feel like you're not creative. Nothing's happening. It's just like words on paper. The same thing happened to me all the time when I was staging because I would just overthink it. And then after a certain point, everything's kind of jumbled in your head and you're like, you're not seeing straight. So I would leave and I'd be like, oh, I don't like it. And then I'd come back the next day and be like, wow. This actually looks really good. Yeah, you got a you fresh, know? fresh you perspective. Get a fresh, yeah, yeah, fresh perspective. I Do don't, you feel like I that? don't get that with uh, like walking away and come back to it the next day. What I do get uh, that feeling is when the project is done and I'm on the next project, and then I come and look at that project. So, uh, so you almost have to give yourself even more time. Great example. So, like uh, Harper's Bed, uh, just because that was like about three projects ago, I did it. And there's all these like finishing touches of like whether or not the line was crisp enough 
from the paint line from the drywall coming to the actual bed itself oh, right you know or or maybe i need to touch something up and then when i was touching it up it's like a different sheen in that spot because i sprayed it originally and i touched it up with rollers and when you sprayed it you dilute it and then when you're rolling it on you didn't that kind of stuff like i keep seeing and i was like it's not perfect and then now it's like three projects later i'll go back putting harper down and i go damn okay this is freaking nice yeah so you you walk away and then you almost forget where the imperfections were you do i think that's it and i think most people obviously don't even see the imperfections but you do because you saw it up close you're the one that made did it made the project that's why um i i have this like i don't like when like this people who don't build they have this perspective about something that's sold and say this is handmade and handmade doesn't speak too much to me or handcrafted because I know when something is handmade. Now I'm only speaking for myself. I can't speak for the masses because there's very meticulous people who have done it so long and they've perfected the, perfected the thing that it's flawless. And mm-hmm. maybe they also see imperfections. I don't know. I haven't spoken to somebody like that yet. I would love to actually. But to me, when I hear something is handmade, that tells me that there was, there it, there are imperfections in it mm-hmm. because if somebody, which I don't take on any custom work or commission work, but if somebody asks me, oh my gosh, your whole house is so custom, uh, I would love a custom piece from you. And I'm like, in my head, I was like, no, it's gonna be a piece of crap full of imperfections. Like go to somebody who is a master at that. Right. If you, if you hire me to build cabinet doors for your house, trust me, I'm going to hate them. Right. Go to a cabinet place who they, there's a saying, and it's funny. Professional. The place that I've learned it is the dumbest place on earth is TikTok. But there's this like <laughs> uh, audio uh, dubbing thing over it where they say uh, a DIYer does it until they, uh, does it till it's like good enough or something like that. And a professional does it till they can't get it right. Hmm. Or sorry, till they can't get it wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. They, till they can't get it. Oh yeah, that's what it was. A DIYer does it till they can get it right, and a professional does it till they can't get it wrong. Mm. Meaning, it's just this systematical thing that they are like, boom, boom, boom. This is what we're doing. This is how I prevent tear outs. This is how I prevent uh, poor paint jobs. This is how I like. It's all planned out, and they just show up and they do it twice as fast, and it gets perfect done. Mm-hmm. Every well, it's, time. and it's experience over time. Correct. Doing that same thing over, the, and, over, over and over and you over. You have to get better at it. Right? I heard that like uh, the Japanese chefs in the Michelin restaurants, they would have um, like if you were a, 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 an up and coming chef and you want to be like this certain level of a sushi chef and you're going under the Michelin star restaurants, they will have you cut eggs for the longest time and all you do is you cut eggs to get perfect at it till the point that you are an absolute perfectionist when it comes to a perfectly cut egg and, and it's th- almost like second nature it's so easy for you to do because and then you've you done move it. up to rice or you move up oh, to filling and so you you have to absolutely perfect one piece of your craft so if the only thing you do is cabinet doors that's your business you do it till you can't get it wrong yeah you perfect that. You you have a you systematic baby. approach. You have drying racks. You have a perfect 
uh, clean spray booth that no no dust particles are flying in. There's no there's not going to be any level of of imperfection because you focus on one specific task. Yeah, if that's your niche or that's your business, right? Hopefully, it's yeah. Drywall right. guys are the same way. You know, uh, you know, I do drywall, but my drywall is is dog crap compared to professionals and those professional guys. It's an art form because when it comes to matching texture, you know, this is existing texture. What they do they call that? In. Jack of all trades, master of none? Jack of all trades, master of none, but the saying goes further. Jack of all trades, but a master of none, but it's better to be, and this is, I'm just like winging it, but uh, a, a master of none. Well, how was it? It was jack of all trades, but a master of none, but a master of none is better than one or something like that. Master of none. Let me look it up. You yeah. know it. Well, Full quote. Jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. There you go. True. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's better for a homeowner. Yes. It's not better for, you know, a It just depends what you're, what you're, yeah. Like for you, jack of all trades is obviously I the need better to be way a, to go. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to be remodeling our whole house. Well, they always <laughs> say the jack of all trades is basically the either the handyman or the homeowner. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's who the, that applies. It doesn't apply to a painter, you know. Yeah. You don't want your painter to also know drywall. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, when you're jack of all trades, you're also skillful in like googling stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, to figure out how to do it. What so. a jack of all trades is, and I was actually thinking about this about like reverse engineering my brain is like, why do I? take on certain projects that I have no business taking on. And I think it's this curious mindset that I have of yeah. how things are made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's construction based or if it's like automotive or, you know, airplane related, it's you go like, huh, how does a plane land? Mm -hmm. And then I was when we were recently flying home from from Florida, you know those like when you look at the wings at an airplane and then these there's on the back part of the wings these things cave down mm -hmm. like as they're about to land it goes down mm -hmm. and i've always like is that for braking like but then i realized if okay so you you use the jet engine to uh achieve altitude and then you use the lower speed of or lower power to continue the trajectory in a flat plane and now you're landing well, when you're landing, you ease off, obviously, on the accelerator, right? Oh, you don't just brake? And you, <laughs> and you start descending, but you're going yeah. nose down first. And then you think about, okay, well, then how do you level out the plane? Well, how do birds land? They fly, 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 and then they, they flap sideways almost, right? They create this like almost yeah. like a parachute thing, and they flap sideways, and that creates them to tilt their legs forward so they can catch the ground. Yeah. So to prepare a plane for landing you don't only decelerate coming down but when you have achieved the altitude that. that you're ready for landing you have to bring the nose up and that's when those things flap down on so the, the back wheels end can touch first. so the front end can come up and the back wheels touch first then the front lens down so that curious of a mindset is the same approach that i apply going interesting what is the stud configuration that i need to do when it comes to putting in a window okay so I need to have uh, a jack stud, a king stud. I need headers. I need styles. Not, they're not styles. I think they're called styles. I don't remember what they're called. Uh, no, they're called uh, S. S ah, I forgot what they're called. But I, oh, st stretchers, I think. Anywho, not stretchers. Uh, 
Salmonella. Salmonella. You, they need salmonella to hold the, the, the window up. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of because I'm pretty sure I got yeah. salmonella now that I think about it. Yeah. So, oh yeah, when we went to Florida. Yeah. I thought it was food poisoning, but I wonder if it was. No, I think you got salmonella. Yeah. Because that chicken that we had felt a little it off. It was off. Something was off. But not like, uh, like it gone bad. No, it, it, it was, wasn't bad, but it probably just wasn't cooked all the way through. I am extremely and now I can surprised never eat Kevin's that I have chicken I had again. no symptoms of that same chicken. <laughs> maybe you didn't get like maybe it was like one piece. Yeah, uh, because I think you moved one piece out of the side, and you're like, "That's a bad piece." I did, and that's why I think I. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was the chicken nuggets that we ate later that night, because there was one piece that I ate that tasted like weird. I, I don't know. Back. I don't know about the chicken because I didn't have any chicken nuggets. No, you did. You're the one that made them. Oh, I did, didn't I? Wow. Throw me under the bus. No, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I just don't recall. No, so later that night. You You're asking me what I ate a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. You got the munchies and you made chicken nuggets. Yeah. Which, by the way, the Costco bear nuggets bomb. Really? They're good. Are they better than the, the recent? Oh, oh no. Those, those are the ones, ones we, that we made. Oh, they're they fantastic. They taste like Chick-fil-A chicken yeah, nuggets. Yeah, they're fantastic. Great. But and the know. problem is they're too good because they'll lay on the sheet, uh, cooking pan like on the on, on the on the stove after the kids are done eating, and I like come, I can't pass them by. and I not know, grab they're them. So good, but now I can't eat those or that the Kevin's chicken, which I really liked. It's the the chicken. Fr it's frozen. You buy it. You can buy it anywhere. I think now most times you buy it at Costco, and it's like I think it's like made sous vide, so it's supposed to be done really well. Mm. And it always has like yummy sauce, but it's also, I think, paleo. Hmm. So it doesn't have like dairy or gluten or anything in it. It's supposed to be good for you. So I don't know if it How was How does bad. it not have gluten if it has like breadcrumbs on top of it? It doesn't have breadcrumbs on top of it. It doesn't? Oh, it's just chicken. No, you're talking about the chicken nuggets. Oh. I'm talking about the chicken we had, the curry. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. The night, the, di the earlier that yeah. evening. Anyway. I was fine that evening and something that night I started getting like this oh, bad stomach pain. I remember mm. it woke me up in the middle of the night because I felt like I was going to vomit. Yeah. And, the, and of course, that is the day we flew to Florida what for our vacation. Horrible timing. It was the worst timing. I woke up and I like literally my skin was like my face was like pale and I was like, I'm not feeling what good. What would you rather the day before a trip have start your period or have salmonella like that? I would rather start my period. Really? Hands down. Really? Yeah. Though, though you were your stomach was fine after like two days. Oh, no? it was no. bad. I legitimately in especially when you know you're going to be traveling, I like couldn't eat anything. And so I was just, and I knew I'd be sitting on an airplane for like, yeah. you know, six, four, five hours. I just knew it was going to be, and hands down, the way I felt, I would much rather have my period, start my period. Hmm. Speaking of which, Shark Week just started in my body <laughs> today. So if you're listening to this, so uh, if you I'm can spicy, synchronize your calendar. <laughs> You'll never know when I started because this comes out a week later. Well, they'll just backdate it. <laughs> You'll be like, funny. hmm, let Shark. me look up my calendar. Okay, well, that's interesting. I am okay, I'm impressed the fact that none of it. I had the same food that you had. I know. I don't know. I must have had like one piece that was bad. Mm, maybe you should do I cold can plunges. Only maybe cold plunges is what you need to do. I know. I should have done. It was because I didn't do a cold plunge. But I also, what was I going to say? Oh, because I couldn't figure out if I was like, it was the stomach flu or, but it was literally only me 
and it was just that one day so it had to have been some sort of food poisoning or like salmonella or something uh -huh. because that's the only thing i could think of yeah no for sure i, I think it's 100 percent that and I, I could not eat anything i think if it was food poisoning like, you because food poisoning is there is bacteria that you're eating salmonella is its own level of bacteria that it's just there. undercooked yeah. and it's it, chicken. primarily in chicken mm-hmm yeah. And now, like, I was making chicken the other day. And you still like, got just, that feeling? I yeah, still, like, really? It just, you, yeah, once you eat, like, a bad food. Like, I can never have five guys ever again because I got That's food poisoning. Where I got it there, too, remember? You did? We both did? We both did, I think. Because I still remember that the last time I had five guys is with, with you. So I was pregnant which with Which was, like, yeah, I was going to say, well, it was actually Nine longer than that? Of, Ten years ago. Jeez. It was, I remember specifically because I was, like, 34 six weeks pregnant mm -hmm. and i was like bending over the toilet with my big belly throwing up it was the worst oh geez i don't remember i didn't realize yeah we both had it but even that smell now i'll walk by like if we ever if i ever see it or if like we walk by it the smell somehow even though it smells like probably any other burger burger place which you've had burgers yeah since. and i've had burgers since that but yeah. for some reason that just like triggers me 10 years oh, later what that's an emotional connection to it i don't know if <laughs> i have when you have that, that, like, that long ugh. but even like talking about it right now my stomach's starting to hurt really <laughs> yeah. jeez i'm like an emo sympathy uh what do you call you got to learn how to let go you just you just drag emotional trauma like that no but even like I don't, do, are you like this? I'm like what? a sympathy, what do you call it? When somebody's sick and then you feel sick because they're sick or if somebody's oh. down or sad, you kind of feel, you like absorb that. Sympathy something? Because there's like sympathy pregnancy. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but I do it with people who are like sick. I don't do it as much with like emotion. Isn't like if somebody's isn't, sad. Wasn't the difference between sympathy and empathy that sympathy is you feel bad for them, empathy, you feel them. You feel what they're feeling. Right. Yeah. You feel deep. Jeez, what are you doing? Feelings. <laughs> Who do, you, who do you have these feelings for uh yes yeah. so maybe it's like a em empathy sick empathy sickness maybe i don't maybe. know yeah it could or be or like a, i'll be watching tv and i'll if somebody gets like stabbed in the heart my like heart will do you hurting. really yes wow. i don't know what it is you need to just sit back and enjoy the ride <laughs> barely maybe i have a little bit more anxiety than i ever thought <laughs> you need to start like meditating or something, something about it is just like i feel that and I remember, was it my mom who was just telling us this recently too, that she feels that? I wasn't part of the conversation. And now I notice Harper does that. Mm. Even as little as like, she doesn't watch obviously people getting stabbed. <laughs> Chill out, people. Yeah, PJ Masks, <laughs> that's what they're doing. But like, she'll see something on the TV where somebody gets hurt and they need a band-aid and she'll like, oh, be no. so yeah. worried about it. And be like, oh no. And you could tell like her actual face is so worried. Mm. So I think she has a little bit of that, yeah. which I don't know if that's like, my personality is it like just a girl thing i don't know well beckham feels but i don't know if he feels if somebody's getting stabbed yeah. or shot for me it's more like this like physical feeling so when, when we watched john wick hurt. together john oh, wick too, yeah. were you like oh, poor guy yeah <laughs> really <laughs> his face yeah Jeez. well i just it's like i could just feel what they're feeling uh, and maybe that is empathy yeah probably. but it's like physical empathy <laughs> you're so interesting <laughs> it's not like really the emotional part of it it's the actual or like somebody like a lot of the times this has happened to me with hospital shows because they get hurt a lot in those shows. Yeah. Or like they're doing surgery and they're like cutting their stomach open and, and I can like feel my stomach Jeez. being cut open. Yeah, I would just read books if I were you. <laughs> I need to probably not watch that. <laughs> and that is why 
I cannot watch people vomiting on TV. Oh, that, see that actually, now that you explained it this sense. way, yeah. I've always been like, because you have this big problem with vomiting. I cannot watch people puking on and movies. And I'm like, oh. okay, that's like, how do you, that's like a thing that people do when they're sick. Like, it's like, it's like when I, it's like saying I can't watch my kids have a poopy diaper. You're like, no, but that's what kids do. Mm -hmm. They have poopy diapers. But it's so. Ugh. But now it makes sense that you feel. You're, yeah, I'm like feeling like I'm gonna do it too. The vomiting part. Yeah. See, I don't have problems seeing people vomit. I have a problem if I have to go clean up the vomit because then I dry Smell, heave. Yeah, I I mean I do that too. <laughs> right. But even just seeing it triggers something in me. Wow. You well, know? if you're like this, like me, I don't know if I this is like a one-off thing. Well, if people are driving right now, they're utterly disgusted. They are disgusted and dry heaving yeah. at this moment. They're like, I'll just listen to the focus part at the very beginning <laughs> of the episode. Listen to the golf part. Just yeah. rewind a little bit. All right. And, yeah. But well, I feel better. It was like luckily a one-day thing and I was fine the rest of the the vacay which was yeah. really fun too and you got to golf i got to golf a few times let's great. round it back out before we go uh -huh. what is what would be like your dream golf course to golf at well here's the thing i can't talk about that yet right now because it would be a waste of an experience with my skill set right now mm. i but so if that's the answer if that's the the question is my dream golf course would be either obviously pebble beach or augusta but which are the two the most but you wouldn't iconic. want to do it right now i would not want to do it at all i'd be i would be very quick to turn the opportunity down right now because i want to thoroughly enjoy that course and not lose all my balls that flew into the water and be super stressed and anxious yeah. I wanna, about how you're doing i want to i want to get myself ready to enjoy mm. the course thoroughly and not embarrass myself mm. it's like yeah so it makes sense. That yeah. Makes sense. No, it's it's 100%. Like that's So in like a couple of years. So that's my goal. Is my goal is not the course right now. The course is I want to get good enough to be able to go and thoroughly enjoy a course like that. Cuz nothing is better where you hit a good shot. Well, I'm not saying hit a Tiger Woods shot, but I'm saying nothing is better than just being consistent that you're moving the ball consistently down the fairway and each club is doing what that club is designed to do mm -hmm. and that is the best feeling. It doesn't right. matter which course it is. So then when you add, you know, a world renowned course to it, then it, it just hypens the experience so much till you go so excited. You're like, man, we're golfing great. And then you go to your buddies. Can you believe we're here right now? At this course. That's, that's, yeah. that, that's a feeling that I want to one day experience. So like maybe in a couple of years. Maybe in a couple of years. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what it costs to play Pebble Beach. <laughs> I would be curious too. Yeah. I'm sure it's like $600 or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, this has been fun. Nobody. Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye.